Welcome to Spread Talk with Pam and John, also known as The Calm Before the Storm. Our purpose is to elevate the conversation and amplify special education resources. And our why is about making the impossible possible. Well, guys, we are super excited about today. I mean, every time Joe and and, and Miss Miner and just uh, Burleson, you guys really, really, really bring the energy and, and bring the passion and really just bring kind of the innovation every time we talk. And, and you know, Joe, you and I keep up and Every time, man, every time I get off with, you know, text message, phone, whatever, I'm always amped. We talk, you know, it's always like, okay, what are we going to do now? Henry, it's so nice to have you with us as well. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so honored to be part of this conversation. We're so happy that you guys are able to join us today and talk about what's going on at the Burleson Center in Edgewood. And we're just here to listen and to learn. And Joe, I'm going to turn it over to you. So you know, you know how we do this thing on Spad Talks. I'm gonna let you get started. First off, uh, I gotta be honest. I listened to y'all's episode that just came out. Thank you guys for having us once again. We appreciate it. Um, Pam, it means the world to have your stamp of approval uh, in the world of transition. But um, as a special ed director, I couldn't be more proud of the collaboration. And last time we spoke, we, we uh, teased a little bit about a possible partnership with Texas A&M. And um, I just want to be able to say that that has come to fruition. We are now officially partnered with uh, Tamusa here in San Antonio. And that's why we have Dr. Munoz uh, now part of our Burleson team. Uh, so I really want to have the perspective from Ms. Minner and Dr. Munoz who are uh, taking charge of this and really leading us into a new era of uh, Burleson. Um, and so it's really exciting. I know along with Travis McElvain, the chief of schools, they meet every Monday. Uh, they're planning the future of Burleson. But I think what's pretty cool from the perspective of Dr. Munoz is the 1882 partnership. And what does that look like in the state of Texas, specifically for a transition program um, that hasn't been done before? And I know uh, Ms. Minner has some exciting news in regards to a and that she'll be talking about with uh, Tucasa, and she'll get a little bit more in detail there. So. From the perspective of a special ed director, I couldn't be more proud of having this opportunity and the collaboration between Tamusa and Burleson, especially for Edgewood Independent School District. So I'm going to turn it over to those two ladies. Uh, I'm going to try to keep my mouth closed, but I may jump in every now and then. But uh, we are here just to be open and hopefully this spreads to other school districts, possibly for different partnerships. And so, uh, Sarah, Ms. Minner, you have anything you'd like to add? I mean, we have a lot to add, yes, actually. So a lot of things have happened um, recently and very quickly um, with regards to, to the partnership and what that means for our students, not just here at Burleson, but really for students um, you know, with disabilities in the city and what that means um, for them. So we've had some very um, cool developments. So I'll let Henry maybe talk a little bit about the partnership and kind of background where we're at with that and how that's developed. And then I'll jump back into um, where we stand currently, um, actually things happening in the building this week, um, this weekend as well, and planning up until next Tuesday, have a big event planned then. Yeah, so I can jump in here, um, and good morning to everyone again, and um, I just want to re restate how, how privileged and honor I feel um, joining the Edgewood ISD team in, in the capacity that we are joining and, and certainly um, being with Ms. Minner and Mr. Hinojosa at Burleson has been honestly a really a, a dream come true for, for me. Um, just a, a quick point of privilege, my, my mother was forced to work at the tender age of 13, uh, 14, 14, 15 years old. And so she never really completed the opportunity um, and the right, right that we all have as, as students to complete her education, her public school education. So um, as I was growing up, the idea of completing education was really big. And so um, the role that I play with Texas A&M San Antonio and the Institute um, that I have the privilege to, to serve 
is really a dream of not just um, my mother's, but certainly of our families of what education means and the access to education and the equitable um, access of education. And so I, I, I share that quick brief story of, of my personal life because I think it's important to know that Texas A&M University sits within a larger system of, of Texas A&M. Um, but San Antonio's university is very dedicated to ensuring that students of all abilities have access to higher ed, post-secondary, um, but also to really have a footprint in the community. So not to just become this ivory tower of education and, and post-secondariness, but in addition to that, to really have a stronghold within community. And one way that Texas A&M San Antonio dreamt of that was through a partnership with school districts. And so I wanna, I wanna mention two things and then I'll, I'll stop in case anyone has questions, but the two things I wanna mention have to do with the Aspire Network and then our work specifically with Burleson. And the Aspire Network really quickly is a network of seven South Bear County school districts in, South, in, in San Antonio. And so these seven school districts um, are anywhere from center city all the way south um, into Somerset, in fact, which is just outside of Bear County. Um, and, and what happens with this, this Aspire network is essentially where we're able to bring these seven school districts alone. They can be small school districts in comparison to some of the other larger school districts in San Antonio. We have about 17, 19 school districts in, in Bear County in, in San Antonio area. And so alone, some of these school districts can be really small, but together they, they actually um, have about 60, 60 to 70,000 students that these school districts help educate in South Bear County. So as, as a group, they are a powerhouse um, with regards to advocating for services, advocating for uh, quality education and additional partnerships for South Bear County. And that's the Aspire Network. That's something that our president, Dr. Cynthia Tenente Matson, uh, was able to really establish with these seven school districts. So we have a compact with Edgewood ISD, part of that Aspire Network, and a compact with these other six school districts that allow for us to be in partnership with each other and to really work to ensure that we build a pipeline of birth through post-secondary for any student, again, with any ability to have access to higher ed and then to be in partnership with each other so we could draw down additional resources from partnerships, from federal, from state, and, and really bolster what's already happening in these school districts and really build upon those foundations. That's the Aspire Network. The one other thing, that second thing I wanted to talk about was our 1882 work, which is where Burleson sits with us. And this is again, one of those dreams that Texas A&M San Antonio wanted to, to see come to fruition. And it has with Burleson School for Innovation and Education. And it's, it's certainly something that I've, always dreamt of and Miss Minner um, and working with Joe and Sarah has, has been incredible. And so our 1882 partnership, if, if you don't know Senate Bill 1882 allowed for school districts to build out um, in district charters. And so Burleson, the 18 plus program happens to be one of those. And as Texas A&M San Antonio, and, and technically the name is Texas A&M San Antonio Institute for School and Community Partnerships. And that is the entity that is in partnership with Edgewood ISD in this 1882 in-district charter for Burleson. And so those are the two pieces I wanted to absolutely mention. And I hope you can see my passion and excitement because it is, it is not, again, a dream come true for me personally, but secondarily, when I think about dreams, it's a dream come true for A&M San Antonio to really be part of a community and be part of an initiative like this is really the dream of um, San Antonio, Texas A&M San Antonio and Cynthia Matson, um, Dr. Matson, and being able to really integrate into community. It's powerful, just so powerful. I'll tell you pioneers, right? I mean, the, the work that's being done between Burleson and 
and uh, A&M, uh, San Antonio down there, and all those other words that I uh, won't be able to get out of my mouth right. But And I'll tell you, my, my, my camera's not on, but I'm, I'm shaking my head right now. I'm just like, everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And I know Pam is loving this because this is Pam's, this is Pam's jam, right? And, but I'm telling you, man, this is so exciting. You know, we've known that Burleson was, was shaking and moving and we've known that A&M is, it really is about all kids of differing abilities, young adults coming and having uh, those equitable opportunities because we had that awesome opportunity down at, at A&M, I guess, uh, in um, College Station to kind of touch base with some of the work they're doing. And so, but you guys are just knocking it out of the park. This is so powerful. Pam, I'm gonna be quiet, get in there. So I just want to ask just a couple of questions. So you have this big compact of schools. So what are the schools doing? So our listeners will know okay, what makes it so unique other than you, you brought one, you got them all to agree. And that's really, that's awesome by itself. <laughs> <laughs> so Henrietta. Yes. Yeah, thank, thanks, Pam, for the question. So the Aspire Network, again, has those seven school districts. And you ask, what, what are they doing? You know, so what? What's so special about bringing school districts together? I mean, one is indeed bringing the school districts together, right? And saying, mm -hmm. we're going to stand together um, as, as a group um, to ensure that we are coordinated our, our efforts. Um, oftentimes, I don't know how familiar you are with Bear County, but just a quick Bear County statistic, oftentimes we see lots of students migrate from one school district to another. And um, I've, I've worked with school districts for the past 20 years. And what happens, right, is if a school district is not in partnership with another school district, they may not be able to tell what happened to that student if the student, if the student jumped to another district, if there's not a data sharing agreement or some level of coordination, right? And I like to call that the coordination of care. And so, mm -hmm. What, what we see happening with the Aspire school districts and with that compact between each other is the commitment to work with each other to ensure that if a student jumps to other districts, that there's coordination to ensure a continuity of care mm -hmm. between school districts. In addition to that, another really, and so I think that that number one is incredibly powerful mostly for the student, right? But there's also benefits for the districts, but mostly beneficial for the student because we're talking about continuity of care for a student, whether the student is five years old or whether the student is 17 and has special needs, right? So I think that, that is, there's a range there. But the other really powerful thing is that the, the school districts are coming together to ensure that they uh, receive services all together. Oftentimes, especially in San Antonio, but likely throughout the entire state of Texas, school districts can be competitors. And the idea here for the Aspire Network is to dismantle that perspective, whether or not somebody came into being a superintendent or our campus leadership, somebody or other, and, and you know, essentially kind of felt, oh, I'm a competitor for somebody else. That is not the case with the Aspire school districts. The Aspire school districts with having come into this agreement and coming into this compact agree that we're not competitors. In fact, we have to stand together in order to make sure that the voices of South Bear County are heard. And oftentimes, you know, much like throughout the state of, of Texas, but throughout the country, we have so many, so many neighborhoods and communities that are disinvested in. And that's what we, we see South Bear County. It's, a, it's historically been disinvested in. There are pockets and neighborhoods that are getting revitalization and all of those things. But oftentimes, because it's not in the center of the city or where all the growth is happening in, in San Antonio, we see that further north. Then what happens is that there's disinvestment in those neighborhoods that were you know, already there, but you don't see that investment there. So, mm -hmm. so again, two really powerful things that are happening. One, critical benefits for the students to ensure that there's a continuity of care between districts. In addition to that, to make sure that the districts stand together to be able to voice for again, nearly 60 to 70,000 students in South Bear County, what's needed for Bear County. That continuity of care and that competition, Pam, I just wanna to touch on it because when I first met Joe and I felt like I knew him for like the last 20 years, when I first met Joe, Joe and Sarah both said, 
we we want to offer these services to students outside of the district and and if there's ever an opportunity for do that to do that today is that opportunity right if covid showed us anything mm. it's that we have to stand together yes, and, and so so what i would say is that burleson is really a great example of how they can provide this beautiful space and allow for other school districts to send students to have access to workforce, to have mm. access to additional ser services. When you ask what are these school what are these schools doing? So I can tell you specifically what Burleson is doing and what it has been able to do through the, the partnership and really impact student lives and change services in the city. Um, so since we talked last, like we established partnership developed, started working with uh, Texas A&M staff. Um, in the spring of last year and the craziness of it all, we also had the opportunity to work with AM staff during a grant writing process um, to begin a post-secondary university level program here in San Antonio for students with intellectual disabilities. Um, so Joe and I, we sat together, worked with AM staff, provided some data, gave our input with regard to what's available in the city. I mean, which nothing is at this point, um, and with regard to need. And so what is the area of need with regard to students with intellectual disabilities? Um, we know our employment rates as a state for eight, uh, students with disabilities, well, adults, 16 to 24 is about three to 5% is their employment rate. So we know already as a state employment outcomes are pretty dismal. Um, and so together um, with, with Texas A&M staff worked on putting a grant together to start a program at the university level um, with our input in, in the fall. So just maybe in October, I believe. Wow. Um, they actually received word. They were awarded uh, $2.1 million at the university um, yeah. to begin this uh, secondary program um, specifically for students with intellectual disabilities with the goal to then branch out um, to include other students. So. Burleson is that pipeline um, starting their first cohorts of students. So we quickly um, worked together to hold an open house to students and families to be able to tell them of this opportunity. Like this is coming to San Antonio. You get to go to a university if this is what you wanna do, which um, wasn't available before. So talk to families and parents. Um, we started hosting, um, getting them applying for the pro for the program. Dr. Munoz set up for our students to actually go to future Jaguar Fest at the campus. So um, we were touring Texas A&M with our families and our students, getting them to ask questions, see if, if they're interested in joining A&M. Do you, do you wanna do this? Um, so the, the program is called Two Casa, which um, they are launching. And so we will have five students um, actually starting in January. So in about a month, they will become students of Texas A&M San Antonio. Um, and these are five students, um, you know, some of them were really dead set, like, yes, I wanna go to college and this is what I wanna do. And I'll be quite honest with you. There is a couple that didn't even realize it was an option. So mm -hmm. if, you, if you don't know it's an option, you don't even know to dream it. And so mm -hmm. we had, for some they had it and some just were never told before that you can do this. And so we quickly said, now this is available. This is what it means to you with regard to access to services, you can go to college, they're gonna to continue to work with you on workforce development skills. You'll take university level coursework. Um, if you're interested, you can live on campus. Um, and so four out of the five students that are going have selected to live on campus. Um, so starting in August, um, they will begin to transition to live on campus. Um, and I will tell you with regard to the commitment to providing equity and services, we know that comparable programs like this um, in the state of Texas are very pricey. And due to their novelty, um, the funding for like, for example, agencies, Texas Workforce Commission, um, because they're so new, they haven't worked out what part of the program is independent living versus what parts of the program are workforce development and education training. So they're still working on figuring out funding for these types of programs. Um, and so that's not yet been established, but I know they're, they're working towards that, but because they're so committed to the equity of services, we were able to tell our students and families, like, if you want to do this, the barrier of financial cost is removed from you. Um, mm -hmm. So for this first cohort of students, 100% of the tuition fees, room, board, 
um, is being covered for students. And it was thanks to a, donate, a private donor that Dr. Shapir is the Dean of College of Education at Texas A&M was able to establish for our students. So wow. um, that, that's very exciting um, that, that, that that's an that's huge, it's huge. Yeah, the funding piece, just like you mentioned earlier, even just envisioning that this is an option, maybe for myself or who, you know, because what I've been told my whole life and shown my whole life and modeled my whole life is that that these aren't options for me, but then to actually be able to knock down that barrier of funding, which typically developing not, you know, I even hate the word disability. They hear me say it all the time, differing abilities, right? We all have strengths. And so, but it's really, you know, Joe said something to me a long time ago. He said, man, if you want to do something, man, you got to go do it. The money will follow. I still remember when he told me something like that. You know, and I, and, and that's the abundance mindset, right? That's, it's like, look, we're not dealing with deficits here. We're dealing with strengths and abundance. If you dream it and if it's if it's valuable, guess what? It's going to become a reality. So this is just so exciting, the work you guys are doing. Real briefly, um, because I'm so excited, uh, but for Tucasa and Pam, you'll love this. The, the Transition University for Career Advancement and uh, Students and for Achievement. Is that correct, Sarah? I want to make sure I got it right. It's a, it's a mouthful. Trans Transition University for Career Advancement and Successful Adulthood. Thank you. That's mm. the acronym there. We're in the midst of planning now as we are having a pretty huge signing day for our students actually on Tuesday. Um, so it's gonna be a, a pretty exciting event for them. So I wanted to treat them and, and their efforts as, as a celebration like we would for, for all students getting you know a full ride scholarship to a university. And so we're planning to have their families come in. Um, we are having an elected official come in who will be joining us. And so really coming together, making it official signing day for our students on Tuesday and celebrate um, their achievements and their families. That is totally wonderful. I mean, that's, I mean, you, you, you guys have dreamed big. <laughs> I mean, this is, for this state, and this is really big. And, and to be able to have all the funds to support the students, so that's not a barrier to them to mm -hmm. participate. And to go to campus and actually live on campus. This is totally awesome. Yeah. Uh, and you're right for my transition brain. Yes, it's going just blowing up. Uh, yeah, and I was going to kind of go back to Henrietta when you were talking about the Aspire program and that continuity of care, because I just spent a week talking about dropout and that we're looking at, it's a longitudinal study. You know, we look at longitudinal from grade seven through 12 and how we're losing kids and nobody really knows what's happening to them. And mm -hmm. to have that as part of your program is really, really will benefit the districts and as well as parents, you know, just to know someone really cares that my child is not there when they need to be there. Mm -hmm. It's totally important and yeah, kudos to that piece. So let's kind of move over to Burleson and Joe's world and Sarah's world. So, now with this partnership with a with AM, so what's what's the same about Burleson and what's different about Burleson? Either and before I turn it over to Sarah, I wanna I wanted her to highlight what I thought was so impressive with her and her team with COVID in regards to transition programs uh, for the most part being out in the community and what did that look like for our 18 plus students and the pivot mm -hmm. that they did and really ensuring that we were still providing services, still providing instruction and managing their way through it um, at an excellent rate and just doing some amazing things. I want to turn that over to Sarah. And then I want her to talk about all the new endeavors since you guys last came. There's some new things that are happening here at Burleson on site. And, um, and so Sarah, will you go into some detail about what you guys did and how you pivoted and still provided services uh, for our students? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, during the springtime, that first closure, um, of course, everybody was in a panic. And I will say our team, um, at, the t at the time, the word synchronous and asynchronous instruction weren't exactly coined, but our team was doing mm -hmm. synchronous instruction before it was even a word. So we knew at that time we had to put devices, we got with the district support, got devices in students' hands and were scheduling um, you know, virtual meetings and sessions with them. And uh, students were still coming together. Um, and so what we've, what we've done this year is we really utilized and relied heavily on our on-campus job sites that we've established here at Burleson. Um, so we know getting that into the community um, was not an option or being a very slow process to move in that direction. So 
we've been able to uh, you know, continue with our online instruction for our students who are choosing to remain at home and are at home learners and doing employment um, related instruction on some soft skills, workplace readiness, career exploration as well. Um, and then for those students who are choosing to come into the facility, um, we are really, like I said, relying on those uh, on-campus job sites. So getting our bike shop uh, up and running, we have a new staff member who's able to lead that, a new job coach who, who's taking that on beautifully. Um, our, with our regards to our cafe, um, our Cordelia specialties shop uh, going on, our warehouse and our boutique that we have to offer on site. We've relied heavily on those to um, you know, continue to provide instruction to our students on those workplace readiness skills and do that here in the facility. Um, oh, and our garden as well. How, did, how could I forget that? So our garden um, this past summer, very excited about, um, we built an aquaponics greenhouse um, out there in, uh, on campus. So the entire greenhouse is accessible for all students. So it's a ramp that comes to it. We have um, plants that are on varying heights to allow for all students access to them and care and maintenance. And so that provides another level um, of instruction for our students. And not only that workplace component, but as well as some of the, that can tie into some of the independent living leisure skills. So just knowing what you like to do is if you don't wanna, you know, garden for a profession, is it something you like to do as a hobby? Um, you know, fish care, we have about 24 koi fish um, out there that are running in that aquaponics system. So, so many overarching skills. Um, that students have been able to take away from. Um, and so starting in January, we will also be launching a spring, uh, spring, excuse me, I'm thinking of a name, we're, we're thinking of a name for our flower shop, um, a flower and garden shop, is, uh, flower plant shop is what we are launching in January. So students will be making floral arrangement, plant arrangements, um, and some, some of it will be done from the propagation that we do here in the garden. Um, and some of it will be done by securing a wholesale florist that we're able to purchase from. Um, but if you are in district and you want to purchase items, um, you know, just like our shirts, we have a set of items that are ready to go. You can order, um, you can purchase, our students can create the items and then you can pick up. Um, and so if you're, it's Secretary's Day, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, we'd be able to offer services here in districts that our students are able to produce. And then as an extension of that is, you know, when we're able to, students want to then generalize that skill set out into the community, either the floral department here at our, you know, our local HEB, or we have several florists in the community, they can then implement that at, at those shops. Or even if they want to start their own business, that's also, you know, an option for them as well, if that's something they want to do. Uh, an expansion of that as well would be that post-secondary training in re regard to floral certification. Site that we found that could do that for our students as well. So wow. that'll be happening in January. So very excited about that. That is fabulous. I mean, you know, it's crazy. You know, COVID is one of those things. Like I said, my wife is a healthcare provider, and I mean, it's so real and it's so devastating. And we just got to stick together and 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 defeat it. You know, in time and. But this is an example you hear all the time, and I've seen it in my own life uh, repeatedly. That you know, it's like what are those what are those bright spots coming out of this, right? Like us coming together and 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 creation over competition, right? And here you guys are pivoting, right? It's like in real time. Okay, hey, so we can't do this. What can we do? Oh wow! And this is even more impactful than what we were doing. And so it's just so exciting to hear that. I'll tell you, my dad before he passed had a koi pond, um, and the the beautiful, beautiful fish, koi uh, fish that he had out there were just, it was so peaceful to go out and sit and watch them kind of and feed them. And so that is so cool. I don't know, the garden or the the, the floral piece, like it's something there at Burleson has to be aspiration station. I'm writing that one down, John. We're going to, that's writing it down. It's going into the bank of possible naming for the, for another section, another on-campus job site. And, and John, as you got to know Sarah and I and, and Pam when y'all came for a visit, having uh, Dr. Munoz come on board, and like she said, when she, we first met, felt like we've known each other for 20 years. Um, you can hear the passion in her voice, and I know that you can see it here in the Zoom. It was like just having another family member that you didn't even know you had that stepped on board and was yes. just as excited to be another extension of what we were doing. And um, I want to turn it over to her because she uh, has worked also of getting some other contacts um, working with us to to look at how do we expand upon this as well. And so that was the beauty of uh, Dr. Munoz coming on board. And, and I swear, after she walked out there, I was like, man, you know, God's good. 
she's she's mm-hmm. here and she is exactly um just another piece of the puzzle that when you know good people come your way and they see the same vision and it's not uh, i love the idea that's not anything's a competition we're looking at how we can expand and help yep. more of the community um and so dr munoz will you talk a little bit about that too of some of the other things i know you're working on uh, as well yeah, absolutely. And and your statements choked me up a little bit here as a, you know, something in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, so absolutely. I, um, you know, when, when Joe and Sarah walked me around campus and showed me the brilliance that the, them both, right, um, and the support of Edgewood already, was able to dream. I knew that with my work in in nonprofits that I could bring additional partnerships to the campus that Burleson was um, ripe for partnerships with financial institutions, partnerships with medical industry and the health industry. Mm-hmm. And so two things I wanted to point out. One, um, that you know, and this is probably the first of many. So we're excited, John, for you got you and Pam and all the rest of you to have us back here in, in a few more months or even in, the, in another year. But so far, we've raised. Uh, you know, Sarah did some fundraising of her own with a five thousand dollar grant from Texas A and M College Station. Um, another another partner, right? But in addition to that, with a financial institution, we were able to raise $25,000 from Truist, uh, the Truist Foundation. And I, I do want to give them props here because um, the Truist Foundation is a merger of two financial institutions, SunTrust and BB&T. And this foundation um, is, is very much wanting to be part of communities where they have the, their financial institutions across the country. And so we were lucky enough to have someone really understand what Sarah and Joe have built at Burleson and what Sarah is dreaming of for the 18 plus program and, and, and align with that um, with workforce. So the $25,000 is coming really to ensure that there is enough funding for the initiatives that Sarah wants to move forward with in the 18 plus program, specifically around workforce development for those students. So we have the two CASA that Joe and and Sarah just mentioned, right, for post-secondary. We also want to make sure that students um, that are transitioning are able to get into the workforce and have a livable wage, right? That's something that uh, that we want for every San Antonioan and certainly for students who are exiting programs like an 18 plus program. Mm -hmm. So the Truist Foundation in addition to that, uh, next week I have, so I, I, I won't name the, the hospital system, but a really large hospital system I'm meeting with next week, just to talk some about what they can do with providing wellness at the Burleson campus. Um, mm-hmm. What I heard from Joe and Sarah is, is that this campus wasn't just for the 18 plus um, students, but their families and the community that they surround, um, that, that is surrounding them. And, and, and Pam and, and John, if you've been to the Burleson, you know that there's, they're situated right in, in, the, in, in, a, in a city block, right? With mm-hmm. homes all the way around it. And so um, what I heard from Sarah and, and Joe was really that the building, the campus should be open to the community. And so part of that is drawing in community with having, potential health clinic or an opportunity to have a wellness site. Again, for the students, because you always want to have the benefit for the students and their families, but in addition to that, possibly opening it up for their community. I know that Joe's mentioned to me once or twice before about the the gym that is on the beautiful space that we have at Burleson, and that space could be used for a multitude of things, Uh, a gym being one of them, like uh, Mm. not just student gym but a gym for for families and individuals yes for community so um so there's lots of different ideas and again i'll I'll be meeting with the hospital system and hopefully we'll bring them along and have partnerships with them as well that's amazing pam i know you're getting in here i'll be quiet no i'll just i'm I'm agreeing with you john this is amazing and i'm just kind of thinking about when john and i went to the burleson center this has only Mm -hmm. been about a year ago a year maybe or so yeah. And so to see what, what has occurred, even in spite of COVID, you know, you know, just the vision that they had, because Sarah, we went outside and she told us this is where the garden's going to be. There's going to be a koi pond. Yep. And it was just this plot of land. And, and, and we're going back. Reality, yes, well, we got to take the crew back, you know. Yeah. Once we 
once we get back <laughs> back to Austin, uh, definitely going to come back and see everything uh, that you guys have brought to fruition because yeah, I think it's part of it is is having that vision and yeah. then asking why not? You know, why can't we do this? And then how do we make it come true? You know, it's nice. Dreaming is nice, but if you don't work the dreams, they're just they're just dreams, you know, mm -hmm. that, you know, to talk about. But you guys have really you move forward and you, you're doing really great things and, and bringing San, uh, Texas A&M, San Antonio board. Uh, I can see the difference and I can see the excitement in Joe, which is he's always exciting. But this is really this. He's sitting here looking like, looking like the proud, the proud papa, to be honest with you. He should. <laughs> he should. <laughs> Uh, and, and if I can add one thing, I know uh, I was getting on Twitter when a lot of these things are going out. And first off, it makes it very easy when you work with someone like Sarah mm -hmm. and then bring in uh, Dr. Munoz on. And uh, I may be sitting like here like the, the proud papa, but it's because I see the work that they put in and to know the investment that they have and to see the payoff. I get to stand back and be so proud, not only as a director of a program, but of individuals. When you yeah. see growth in people and the leadership that uh, they possess, how can you not be proud? And yeah. I think that is one of the biggest takeaways for me. But at the same time, I was getting messages from other school districts, other people. How does this 1882 partnership work? They're taking over your campus. Y'all work so hard for this. What is, how, how is that going to uh, work out? I think after you hear Dr. Munoz uh, speaking today, you hear that's working out beautifully because yeah. having like-minded people, you still have to have that support. And there becomes a truth, uh, a very real conversation you have to have internally with yourself and one another is that you can only take things so far at some point. And, you know, I know a lot of times people say, well, they're, they're self-made. Everyone has to have help. Right and now. you get to a certain point and it got to where we were lucky that there was this, um, ability with A&M to look at us and say, hey, this could be something we might want to partner with. And then you bring on someone the caliber of Dr. Munoz, who then says, wow, I definitely want to be a part of this too. And then encouraging and saying, hey, you know what, Sarah, dream big. And then once you dream big, dream bigger. And then let's take that and let's keep pushing forward with that. And I, I end a lot of conversations I have when we talk about Burleson, that's just the beginning how can it just be the beginning? You guys are already established, but I never feel that way because I always feel that it's always the beginning because we continue to dream and we continue to push the envelope and see how far we can take things in a positive manner, not just for Edgewood ISD, because Edgewood ISD is beautiful, but how can we also do more for our community in San Antonio? Yeah. One thing that Dr. Munoz didn't mention is that not only is she helping lead the charge in Burleson, but she's also at Gus Garcia uh, University School, which is another campus here um, in Edgewood. And so the impact that an 1882 partnership can have, I think there's sometimes a stigma uh, around that is you have to be open-minded and, and take yeah. chances. And, yeah. and I think that's the biggest takeaway that I can say for us uh, and for me personally that I've seen and um, for school districts. And I hope, John, I know this, this reaches outside of school districts uh, when yeah. they're having that conversation, do not be so close-minded to a, yeah. a partnership, but really how is it a mutual benefit, not just for a school district, but for a community? Yes. Yeah, straight up. I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, we're always better together. Like the, the, the idea of, of, of schools coming together, supporting one another, you know, for years we've had the, the shared services arrangements where we come together around special uh, education to give quality services to these small schools. I mean, and so it's that, it, you know, Joe, I love how that humility that one, you want to lift everyone else up and that's true leadership right there. You know, it's like, don't give me the credit. These people are doing all the work. I hire good people. They just make me look good. You know I mean? Trust me, that is that, that, but that's, that's the magic right there, brother. But it's not just that it's that, that, that this vision that, that you all have kind of begun kind of working together collaboratively it makes people believers, you know, and, but that, that human nature thing is to always look at change and say, oh man, you're letting go of something. Well, you always got to let go of yesterday to get to tomorrow, right? It ain't about like, like, oh, live in the moment today, uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm here. I'm with you, but I'm looking right down that road right there. Cause the minute I stop looking down that road, kids stop thriving, right? We stop pushing. 
And so lived experiences, man, y'all are changing lived experiences. It's good stuff. Yes, and I will just reiterate what Joe said. And so with regard to the question of, you know, the partnership coming in. And so since Dr. Munoz has joined our team um, in a meeting with our chief of schools weekly, I just feel so supported in the development of everything that we're trying to do. And so, um, you know, before it was, you know, Joe and I kind of going back and forth a lot in which we still do, but now there's just another level of support there and another, you know, person to, you know, sounding board or yes, this is possible, keep going and keep pushing. And so another voice that I can, you know, that I can call upon It's like, Hey, what do you, you know, what do you think? What are your thoughts? So it's never felt like just, you know, like, a, a controlling or someone's taking over our program or campus, which might be the perception at, by any means at all. It's been quite the opposite, just very supported and um, so looking forward to the future as well with what, what we've done so quickly since, since Henry joined the team, was it maybe in September? I think very, yeah. So we've done a, incredible things so quickly with her support. Um, and so looking forward to what we're going to be able to do for students in the community. And we're not a, we are not settled people, so we are not settling for our students um, by any means. Anything that we do, we do um, full force because they, mm -hmm. they deserve it. So we're going to keep going. Yeah. And John, one of the things we haven't mentioned, um, and I think just in the midst of everything kind of going on, but one of the things with this partnership that's going to be another addition to our team is having a faculty and residents um, from the yeah. university that will be housed here uh, at Burleson as well. And so we're in the midst of, uh, of the interview process. Um, and so how cool is that? Now you have a faculty of residence that is in support to uh, help Ms. Minner on day-to-day -day operations, but you know, having another set of eyes and, and how can we grow? How can we be better in uh, our day-to-day -day operations? And so that's uh, coming as well. Uh, so that's just another benefit of the partnership. Talk a little bit more about that, uh, Joe, like, like qualifications for that. Like, what are you looking for? What, what you know, what, I, I, I get it being there to support Ms. Minner and, but I mean, like, what is that going to look like? I, I yeah, can so step in here. Andrew, you will jump in on that. Yeah, yeah I could, I could definitely step in here. So the faculty in residence, um, and, and actually if we take one step further back, and that is every 1882 um, requires a staff member to be on campus. Um, so if you're an 1882 operator, of which our institute is for Burleson and Gus Garcia University School, as, as Joe mentioned, um, we are required to have a full-time staff person on campus. And some operators ask for or, or arrange for the principal of the campus to be the, the staff person, the full-time staff person. What we wanted to do, we, had, we have two really big values. One, one is um, that A&M, as I mentioned to you earlier, A&M San Antonio really wants to be in partnership, in collaboration with. Um, the idea of an SB 1882 operator coming in and sort of taking over the school is, is one way to go about this, and, and some operators do that. In the sense of a Texas A&M, we really wanted to be in partnership. So um, we see that as a, as a very distinguishable uh, value. It's a, it's a value set that we bring along. And so part of our work is that we didn't want to um, hire Sarah, for instance, as the 1882 coordinator for, uh, for, the, for, the, for the program. We wanted Sarah to continue to be an employee of Edgewood ISD, as well as bring on a full-time person. And that person in, in its technical sense is a faculty in residence and a, and a clinical uh, professor. So they actually have a doctorate um, or doctoral degree and they have to have a doctoral degree in a specific speciality. So it, it, if, if we're hiring for Burleson, that particular person will have a doctorate perhaps in special ed. If we're hiring a faculty in residence for another school, um, maybe a traditional middle school, for instance, like the one we have today, we are looking for someone who has specialty in, in secondary, for instance. And so um, that is the type of person that we're, we're hiring. We're, so at doctoral level, at a, uh, has experience either at, uh, at campus leadership and or administration. And the person has an interesting role. They are faculty in 
um, the College of Education. Most times in the College of Education, I can see in the future that we would have faculty perhaps in the College of Business, our faculty in um, the College of the Hard Sciences, right? Sciences, arts and sciences, things like that. So today we have faculty that are assigned to the College of Education. And this person at Burleson would be assigned to the College of Education and um, will have a role in the college their primary role would be for the 18 plus program at Burleson and, and would really be in service to Sarah as a mentor, as a coach, as a buddy to, you know, to dream big with, and then also in service to the student students and the professionalization of those teachers that are on campus. And so um, we wanna make sure that we retain the opportunity for Edgewood to play a part in that conversation. So Sarah and Joe were part of the, um, the hiring committee. And I'd like to say that we're, we're very close to the end. And, and so we hope to have somebody on board really quickly that Sarah and jo Joe both were a part of in selecting. But that's the role of the person. And that's also the, the qualifications that we're looking for in this person. And then from my perspective to tag off of what um, when Henry completed, and so my vision for you know this person coming on and joining our team is that they really take a um, fine look at you know our program that we have established, you know our procedures, our framework that we have established. Um, give me those areas for refinement, um, you know, because we're I'm always looking for that feedback. How do we improve upon what we've done because it's only going to better our students. Um, also taking a look at the goals that have been established um, with, with the AM partnership for Burleson. Where are we at with those? How can we, what, you know, what do we need to put in place to ensure that we're on target to meet our quarterly goals, goals for those? What professional development do we need for our teachers, for our, our, you know, our job coaches that we have here, for our families? Um, so just really looking at that whole person-centered um, transition planning approach for our students and what, how uh, the faculty and residents can help support that. Yeah, it's great having that person in place to really make sure what you're dreaming up at Burleson with the support of A&M being translated into that lived experience at the campus level. So that's, that is super exciting. Pam, I have a question. As one of the, the forerunners in the state of transition, and, and by the way, I want to get a plaque that has Pam's stamp of approval we can put here at, yes. at Burleson, <laughs> because it meant a lot to us last time you were here and to really have you say, you know what, you guys are a true transition program. Those words really meant something. But from your perspective, uh, knowing, as John said, hearing all of this, what, what are your thoughts of what's happening and your hopes of transition programs in the future um, that you would see, uh, hopefully that we can spread, spread this moving forward? I think what I've been looking at is that when we're looking at transition programs that we're looking at them from the stage of not just the 18 plus programs that we're really looking at that pre 18 plus the 11th and 12th grade i was i was on um, a zoom yesterday with the transition network the student center transition network and one thing i said was is that we really need to start reimagining the 11th and 12th grade year of our students we have kids who spend their 12th grade year basically filled up with, I call them junk, but, but it's, it's, they're not meaningful elect electives, especially for those students who, who at this stage in their life are not really looking at going to college. Or they think they might want to go to college, but, they're, but not a four-year, but maybe an associate, maybe a certification or licensing. That we have things that we could be doing pre-graduation that we're missing. When we're looking at transition programs, are we really looking broadly enough at all students? It's easy somewhat to target our students with more intellectual disabilities and think about, okay, what are we gonna do with these students? And then we're gonna do job training and you know independent living skills. But we know there's another group of students that need job training and independent living skills that do not get that. And so what I try to get people to start thinking about is what can we do within that 11th and 12th grade that for those students who are looking at employment or even post-secondary education that we're really looking at that job training. Because the reality of it is, even if you go to college, you eventually want to go to work. If everything works out well, you know, we, we go to college so we can go to work, you know. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes we think, you know, get kids to understand that going to college is not 
just by staying there. I granted when I when I did have some friends that were were professional college students, you know. But to answer your question is really thinking transition for all students and even for students, even our higher functioning kids who are maybe in all regular classes doing well, but still don't have any job skills. Yeah. You know, we, we, we make some assumptions that these you know, students are going to learn those skills by osmosis mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't happen. Or, you know, even the social skills or the soft skills, if they, you know, if they, if they cannot maneuver mm-hmm. conversation with people, they're never going to get a job. You know, they don't have the soft skills. They don't have the patience. They don't know how to sit, you know, work as teams. And, you know, we have kids who don't participate in, in CTE courses. Who, who could, but for some reason they choose not to, then what are we doing for those students? So when we look at transition, are we looking at it for all students? And if we're not, what do we need to do? So we're making sure, and we just can't make, you know, we just can't say, well, you know, he has great academic skills and they should be able to go to college. Well, great, but they still need to have the skill to, to go to work because eventually yeah. that's where we all end up is working if everything turns out right. So yeah. that's that's what I would say, Joe. Pam, I love it. You always push that envelope. Man, this stuff, we could talk all day long, guys. I love this. Yeah, I, I, I just, from, from the perspective of where I sit, I just want to say thank you all for the support because it means a lot. Um, we, we really put our heart and soul into what we do and it it's rewarding to see it impact the community and kids. And that's what we got into education for. We're not going to be millionaires, but it's an impact. And it's a legacy you leave by doing something and doing it because you believe in it. And, and I think that's what Burleson means to us. And then to know that there's a partnership that's going to continue doing that. And that's, I think, so big and, and so much bigger than all of us. And uh, I look forward to seeing where this goes. I don't know where it's going to end up, but I know it's going to be something special. John, tell everyone how they can continue to elevate the conversation about special education in Texas. You got it, Pam. They can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SpedTalk2020. Because in these disconnected times, connecting with others has never been so important. Now more than ever, it takes courage to create culture and kindness to keep us connected. If you enjoyed this episode of Sped Talk, be sure to share it with a friend because information should always flow through us, not to us. We couldn't do this without you, our listeners, and we need your help sharing the amazing transformation occurring in special education. Together, we can change the trajectory of learning opportunities in Texas for students with disabilities. If you have ideas, information, or resources that you think we should share on an upcoming episode of Sped Talk, let us know at Sped Talk 2020 on Facebook. Twitter, or Instagram. And be sure to like our page while you're there. Oh yeah, and if you get a chance, please consider giving us a positive review on the podcast platform that you listen to Sped Talk. Living in the moment and the moment is the future.